Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 65, and the episode is simply titled Greece. Greece, the land of the never-ending economic crisis, who has been dominating the news coverage for a week with terms like debt crisis, bailout, austerity, tax evasion, European troika, Target 2, ESM. Why should you care about Greece? You should care because it is an excellent example of how different macroeconomic principles link together, how debt taken out by households can eventually take a country to its knees, to where it's been in an economic depression for seven or eight years. There are a lot of caricatures when it comes to Greece. Now, is this a case of a lavish and corrupt government bestowing bounties, benefits, and other perks on its lazy citizens who retire at age 57, if they work at all, and then collect multiple state pensions? Is it true that Greek corporations and citizens refuse to pay their taxes so the Greek government is forced to borrow from its European neighbors and the International Monetary Fund? in order to afford all these state handouts? These are partial truths. In this episode, we're going to look at Greece, what actually caused the crisis and how the dominoes fell to get to where we are today, and how will it ever end, or will it ever end? Now, I've not been to Greece. I hear it's a beautiful place to visit. I would love to visit there someday. And I don't, and since I haven't been on the ground, everything I've learned in Greece, I learned by looking at the economic data to read the tale of the, of the data, to see what's there, and, and to look at the linkages. I've ignored much of the news coverage, and I've just simply looked at the data. And from the data, you can see here's the problem. What is the impetus, the beginning of the crisis? And it goes to the very heart and start of the European Union. Now, back to some of these these partial truths. Yes, Greek citizens are less tax compliant than other European nations. The Greek underground economy of unreported revenue, where no taxes are paid, is estimated to be about 25% of the nation's overall economic output. And as you know, economic output, the measure, the euro value measure, in this case, of goods and services produced by a country, their economic output, also known as GDP. So Greek, historically, culturally, Yeah, has not been as compliant with their taxes, but that is not the cause of the economic crisis. Greek citizens are not lazy. In fact, they work more than any other country in the European Union as well as the U.S. According to the OECD in 24, the average Greek worker labored 2,042 hours versus 1,770 hours for all OECD countries, which are all over the world, including 
1,789 hours for the U.S., 1,371 for Germany, 2,000 for Greece, 1,371 for Germany. Now, that's the average worker. The average worker in Germany, many are part-time employees, and so they work less hours where many of the Greeks are self-employed, many in farming, they work longer hours. A measure of a nation's wealth is not just a function of how many hours they work. It's what can be produced, what's the output of goods and services produced per hour of work. And in this measure, Greece is less productive than other nations within Europe. In 2014, Greece produced 22.5 euros of output, goods and services, per hour worked. The average for all of the European Union is 37.6 hours. So one challenge is Greece is not as productive, mainly because they don't have a lot of the manufacturing technology that you see in Germany. Highly efficient country because of their use of robotics and other manufacturing techniques. Still, Greece productivity improved faster than any other country in Europe or Europe as a whole. So, from, for example, 2000 to 2008, in the years before the economic crisis, Greece grew its output by hour, per hour by 52%. That compares to 28% over that same time frame for all of Europe. So Greece became more productive. We've learned in earlier episodes GDP is a measure of output, and the way that an output grows over the long term, two things have to change. Either the population is growing, so you're getting more workers, or the workers are becoming more productive. If Greece wasn't getting more workers over that period, but they were becoming much more productive, they increased their productivity 52%, and as a result, Real GDP in Greece rose at a 4.2% annual rate from 2000 to 2007. Fastest growing country in the European Union, that compares to 1.9% growth rate for the Eurozone as a whole. So Greece was growing twice as fast. And the unemployment rate was dropping. It got as low as 7.3% in 2008. Greece was an economic success story at least on the surface. So Greek workers are not lazy. Yeah, they they don't maybe aren't as compliant in taxes. That's improving. The retirement age was 57. Now it's going to be 65. But this isn't even a, the root cause is not the Greek government lavishing all these benefits. In 2008, the year of the economic crisis, when it began, Greece's government expenditures comprised 20.3% of GDP. So that what the government spent was 20% of the total wealth or output of the country that year. That compares to 20.2% for all of Europe. Greece is not spending more, was not spending more than other countries as a percent of the GDP. Back in 2003, Greece's government's expenditures as a percent of GDP was 18.5%. So it did grow and from 18.5% to 20, 
But back in in 2003, Europe as a whole overall was at 20.2% also. So this is not a crisis that started because of Greece government, Greek government was spending out of control. Greece had the fastest growing economy over that period leading up to the crisis. So what was the root cause? The root cause is debt, but not government debt. It was private debt incurred by Greek citizens and corporations. Prior to the introduction of the euro in 1999, Greece suffered from high inflation and high interest rates. For the 20 years prior to the euro's adoption, the average borrowing cost, if you wanted to go out and get a loan in Greece to buy a car, that loan cost, that interest rate exceeded 20% for two decades. And then Greece adopted the euro and interest rates on loans fell dramatically. In 2003, they were 6.8%. Now think about that. For two decades, 20% plus loan, and suddenly you can go out and you can buy a car at a 6.8% loan. That seems like a steal. Not only that, you're on a common currency now, and so those German luxury cars suddenly are quite affordable. And what would you have done? I probably would have gone out and buy a car. The economy's growing really well. It seems like, you know, the property market's doing well. We're part we have all the optimism of the new, new European Union. We're part of the European core and I'd go out and buy a car. And that's what many, many thousands of citizens did. They went out and bought cars and other luxury goods, but they financed them with debt because all this buying led to huge trade deficits, so huge imports into the country. In early episodes, we've talked about how trade works. When you run a trade deficit, that means it needs to be, so you you essentially are importing more than you're exporting, which means when you export, you bring money into the economy. Income grows in the economy, and so there's more jobs for workers because businesses can pay the workers. But when you run a huge trade deficit, that means money needs to go out. That means the income is going out to other nations. And how is that, on a macro level, how do you afford that? How does a country afford a huge trade deficit like that. Well, there's only two ways. Either personal savings of households and businesses has to shrink. In other words, their prior savings that they have, prior earnings that they've tucked away needs to be reduced, or you finance it by taking out debt. And that's what the private sector did. They took out debt. Debt to GDP for the private sector went from 59% in 1999 to 125% in 2008. Debt levels doubled. Not debt for the government. The debt, the government debt as a percent of GDP hovered around 100% over that same period, so from 1999 to 2008. It was not ballooning. The government was not out of control spending. It was the citizens doing 
what was completely rational, suddenly they could get a car loan. Banks were willing to lend to Greek citizens. And they went out and they bought cars and they bought other things. That worked great up until 2008. And suddenly, with the housing market crashing in the U.S., the global recession spread throughout the globe since it was global, and it had an impact on Greece. Suddenly, their economy completely shut down, just like it did in every other country around the world. And because debt is essentially accelerating future spending into the present, when you borrow, you're borrowing future earnings that, and you're bringing them forward, you're buying something today, that debt has to be serviced. You have to make enough income in the future to pay off the debt plus the interest. So the economy grew very fast because all that future spending got accelerated into the future And then when the depression or what started out as a recession and eventually has led to a depression in Greece, it became more difficult for Greece households and businesses to service their debt. Non-performing bank loans as a percent of total loans in Greece went from 4.7% in 2008. So 4.7%, so non-performing, either the payments are not being made or they're in default just under 5%. Today, it is 34%. Over one-third of loans are in trouble in Greece. And when you have such a huge hit to the, the loan market, the banks are literally bankrupt unless they could raise capital. And much of the borrowing from Greece... The government was used to recapitalize the banks. The the Greek banks owe the European Central Bank $89 billion. They owe the Target 2 Bank Clearinghouse $100 billion. The Greek banks are in trouble because the Greek households and businesses could not service their debts because they borrowed and then the economy came to a standstill. And so... If Greek households and businesses are having trouble paying their debts, they're not going out and spending, visiting restaurants, buying other local goods and services. That means business income is not as high, so they are laying off workers. And unemployment soared. As I mentioned, it got as low as 7.3% in 2008. It is over 25% today. And with unemployment rates so high, Business income down, household income down, the taxes that the citizens paid, those that did pay taxes, and and many, many did, those went down and the social payments to those who are unemployed went up. And this is the same thing that occurred in the U.S. and uh, in other European nations Budget deficits balloon because you had tax revenue going down. You had government expenditures going up, not because the government's lavish, but simply as part of their social safety net. It is normal for deficits to balloon out during recessions. It's not normal for them to balloon out to 16.7% of GDP. That is huge. 
And that has resulted in the Greece having to go to its other European neighbors to help fund that. But you have to understand, the root of it was not the government being outlandish in its spending. Now, the government is a weak institution and historically has been. And Greece citizens have historically had a lack of trust for the government. But the heart of the crisis started with rational decisions made by Greek citizens to go out and borrow money because they hadn't been able to do that for many, many years. And then it has led to this economic crisis. How bad is it? I mentioned unemployment rate of 25%. The debt the to GDP of the overall government was 100% of GDP in 2006. Now it's 177%. Why is debt to GDP going up so dramatically? Because GDP or output is shrinking. The country is in a depression. Its output in real terms after adjusting for inflation is now as low, basically at the same level Greece was when they entered the European Union in 2000. So you had a 4.2% annual growth rate in the economy up until 2008, and then you've had an absolute collapse with high unemployment. We have deflation in Greece, industrial capacity utilization. In other words, how much of the the country's capacity is being utilized is about 65%. During the economic expansion, it was close to 80%. In fact, it got over 80% at some point. So you have huge capacity. You have population shrinking because citizens are leaving. And then you have these outside creditors, the International Monetary Fund and the European neighbors. The specific entity, Greece's largest creditor, is the European Stability Mechanism, the ESM. They loaned 145 billion euros to the Greek government, much of which was used to recapitalize the banks, which were bankrupt because of all the loan defaults by Greek citizens. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tagovas all have in common? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. Whether you're doing a million, 10 million, or hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools you need to accelerate your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place, right from your phone or computer. NetSuite will give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system, trusted by more than 19,000 companies. It's the last system you'll ever need. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash david. That's netsuite.com slash david, netsuite.com slash david. 
Who owns this European stability mechanism? It's a Luxembourg corporation. It's owned by all 19 European monetary union governments. It was the entity that funded $145 billion. Where did they get the $145 billion? They issued AAA-rated bonds. Now, how could you get a AAA-rated bond, the top investment grade, if you're loaning to a country that has debt to GDP of 175% and doesn't appear to have the wherewithal to pay the debts? You guarantee the debt. The European nations, 19 of them, guaranteed these loans, and that's why they don't want to recognize that Greece is in default. Because if Greece defaults, then these European nations have to, at least in theory, honor the guarantee. And the way that they would do that, they would have to go issue more bonds which could royal the sovereign or have a huge negative impact on the sovereign debt market. You issue $145 billion with the bonds and you could spike interest rates. That's why the, the, <laughs> they're so worried. Now, how is Greece going to get out of this situation? The economy is shrinking. Now, economy, again, it's a measure of output of goods and services. So businesses produce output if they think they're going to sell the output. Who's going to buy the output? The government is reducing its footprint because of austerity. They're being forced to reduce the size of government. The unemployment rate is 25%. Households don't have income to go out and and buy this output. Other businesses aren't able to sell their output, so they're not investing in productive capacity to produce output. So you have essentially what's known as a death spiral because you keep going downward and downward because nobody has the money to produce the output. Now, in a country that has their own currency, what typically happens here, with such a weak credit like Greece, their currency should be tanking, and that would allow the exports that the country has to get cheaper. In other words, be able to grow the way out by exports. But Greece uses the European, uses the euro. The price of Greece exports, just as an example, relative to Germany, before Greece entered the euro, Greek goods they exported were priced about 50% below what comparable German goods were. They had a price advantage. Then Greece entered the European Union and their prices essentially were the same as Germany. And now Greece prices are more expensive than Germany because they use the same currency, but, but Germany has, is more efficient at manufacturing. Now, the European creditors want Greece to do what's called an internal devaluation. They can't devalue their currency because they're on the euro, so they have to reduce their worker pay. But Greece already has below average worker pay. The average two-earner married couple with two children in Greece earning the average, what 100% of the average worker, earns 32,698 euro. 
the average worker in the Eurozone, 44131 This is the average family to earn a married couple. That's what they're bringing home. And in Germany, 55,565 euro. The U.S., 56,377. Greece already has low pay. And they, as I mentioned, their productivity was increasing. Now, it, it has since trailed off. But this problem is not going to be solved by Greece becoming hyper-efficient. Yes, they can become more competitive. Yes, corruption can be reduced. It needs to be easier to start a business in Greece. And perhaps eventually they could grow their way out. But it's not going to come from exports because their exports are priced the same as the other European countries. The only solution I see is for their debts to be written down so that they have a chance. I mean, I don't know how it's going to end. It it appears like it's going to be this never-ending crisis because Greece remains mired in depression. Output is not growing because nobody has money to buy the output. And and because the currency doesn't fluctuate and weaken, the exports aren't occurring. And I don't know how this debt is going to be paid. Households don't have the funds to, 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 to service their own debt. The government doesn't have the funds to service its debt. And so debt to GDP at the, at the private sector and at the government continues to climb. The debt bubble continues to, to grow. And the only way to, that I could see is to clear the slate. And reduce the amount of debt. But the European countries and the IMF don't want to do that because then you have to recognize the losses and potentially have catastrophic impact, contagion on the bond market. Unfortunately, this is a crisis that's not going to end anytime soon. There was a BBC documentary that a Hub member pointed out to me that was by, done by Michael Portillo, and it's called The Great Euro Crisis. If you go to the show notes at moneyfortherestofus.net for episode 65, I'll link to that show note. It was pretty fascinating because he would, he would give everyone a choice, in like Greece, a choice between the euro or the drachma, and, and everyone chose the euro, did the same thing in Germany. There is a consensus for, for Greece to stay in the euro, yet... For one reason, because it provides, in, in the opinion of many Greek citizens, a straitjacket discipline for the Greek government. Yet we have this impasse in terms of these huge debt levels. I'll link to that in the show notes. Also, if you remember the Insider's Guide, which you can sign up for at moneyfortherestofus.net, for the last few weeks, I've sent a link to an audio commentary from the Money for the Rest of Us Hub, where I talk about what would happen if Greece actually exited the common currency, the euro, and began to use the drachma again. What would happen in terms of inflation and how Greece would eventually be able to recover? So you can get that if you sign up for the Insider's Guide at moneyfortherestofus.net. Finally, on that Insider's Guide, I don't do transcripts for each of these episodes, but I do a summary article. So you can get a summary article on every episode to understand what's going on to better. If, if you, you if you learn well by sort of reading 
Also, as opposed as well as listening, that's a way to do that. So moneyfortherestofus.net. Thanks for everyone that has left reviews of the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. I do appreciate the feedback to learn what you like about the show, any suggestions, etc. If you have any questions on this topic or others, go ahead and email me, jd at jdavidstein.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode is for general education only. I have not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing in the economy. Have a great week.